I'm Desiree. And I'm Taylor. You're tuned into Birthkeeper Banter, a space to discuss powerful birth stories, radical birthkeeping, and all things birth outside of the box. This podcast is produced by Herbal Training, and nothing discussed should be considered medical advice because birth is not a medical event. For classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. Alright guys, welcome to this episode of Birthkeeper Banter. We are here with Bryce and she is going to share with us the story of her first baby. So Bryce, can you tell us where you're from? Yeah, I'm from Southern Indiana, specifically French Lick, Indiana. Um, I'm a doula and birthkeeper. I attend all kinds of birth, but primarily home birth and primarily from that unassisted birth. Very awesome. So tell me when you first conceived your baby, how did you feel? Was it planned? It was one of those things where we were were not ready to completely uh, commit to trying, but just avoiding and waiting for it to happen on its own. And so when it did, it was really unexpected because I'd been bleeding for three months straight and then all of a sudden it just stopped. So I was like, I guess I, that means I'm going to take a test. And I went and got one and it was like it's the faintest line that I wouldn't have even considered it positive now. But my sister was like, that is positive. You're pregnant. So I um, went and got another one, a first response, and it was blaring positive from that point on. And um, that same day I got I would just happened to had a photographer ask me to go model for her in a sunflower field. So the very first day I found out I was pregnant, it was like not even 15 minutes after I found out I was pregnant. I was in the sunflower field. So I took a little picture with my belly and that's the same picture I announced my pregnancy with. Oh, that's sweet. Do you have any idea why you were bleeding for three months? Now I would say I have high estrogen and possibly PCOS and I'm on my path of figuring that out with a a hormone panel to hopefully get me some answers but yeah wow are you doing that now are you still bleeding like now that you aren't pregnant no it was so weird so after I had him I didn't bleed till six months and then I was really scanty and like just hardly ever happening and then recently I didn't bleed from February till now till just now so it's it's just it's just been a roller coaster of whether I'm gonna bleed for a few months or if I'm gonna bleed for a few not bleed for a few months at all so you are still nursing too as well right no I'm not oh okay I didn't know if you were still nursing or if you had stopped but yeah that's interesting I'm curious what your cycle will go on to do going forward yes me too So I guess you probably want to hear about how I started care. So basically, from the day I found out I was pregnant, my sister was like, you need to go to this OB that I went to in Jasper. And so, and it was a a woman, and that made me a little more comfortable. But my sister had had four cesareans, so it wasn't like I was wanting to go to this doctor right away. But I was still learning and very young, 18, so I didn't know a lot yet. I hadn't started learning digging into research or digging in and finding my knowledge and even my intuition. I really hadn't felt tapped into it yet. Um, But slowly as I grew with pregnancy, I also started to mature in, in everyday life. Like I was becoming a woman now. And um, every time I went to the doctor, it just didn't feel right. Like I always felt like 
I would go in there with a plan and then I would leave and I would have done what I said I wasn't going to do always. So around, um, I, I feel like I went in around four weeks pregnant um, and they did a blood test and they made sure it was doubling and my blood levels weren't just doubling, but they were tripling. And um, so they had me come in for an ultrasound and they went ahead and gave me a Rogam shot just because I was bleeding, which I thought was odd at the time. And now knowing what I know, I would have never have gotten it. And, and especially because my spouse was not a blood type that would have been conflicting anyways. So, and they didn't ask me that because they almost assumed that I, there wasn't a dad in the picture. Um, because he wasn't coming to appointments because he was working, but <laughs> Um, where was I at? (laughs) You were talking about your care and, um, how you started when you were four weeks pregnant, making sure that your numbers were doubling and they were actually tripling. Yes. So I went and got an ultrasound and it was, um, just, it was normal, but they wanted me to come back again. The second ultrasound, the ultrasound, and I actually had my mom with me this time. Um, and my mom goes, there's not, there's not two, is there? And she was, she said, I don't know. And, um, so she, I didn't expect to see my doctor this day, but I did have to go see my doctor. And so I'm like, I'm thinking something's wrong and I'm waiting for the doctor. She comes in and she tells me that it's possible that I'm having twins, um, but not to get my hopes up and not to like, don't plan for it. Don't tell anybody. Wouldn't even tell my spouse. Like that's what she said. And, and Why would they say that? That is so dumb. I know. I, and I was excited right away. I was like, well, at first I was like the possibility of two, just a lot of stuff running through my mind. And she's telling me, don't even get your hopes up. Don't even expect it like to work out. Let's just see how this goes. You're so early. You could still lose these babies. Um, and she was like, Ugh. so she asked me to have another ultrasound uh, to confirm a couple days later. And when I went in, they told me that they weren't sure again, basically just kept telling me they weren't sure. But basically, after a few more ultrasounds, they told me, no, I was not pregnant with twins. So I think I probably had vanishing twin, but I I can't be sure of that. But that would explain. It's hard to say. Yeah, Yeah. with all the bleeding that I had, too, it's just it, it would make sense. So I kept having ultrasounds and I started listening to a free birth podcast and just from going from another birth podcast to another. And when I started hearing these women talk uh, just about how in tune they were and how how free they could really be, my mind started sparking. And I I started telling my um, spouse at the time um, these things that I was thinking about, my ideas, this birth that we could have and he just could not get on board he thought it was just a terrible idea what if an emergency all the things so I thought how about a midwife instead this was around 15 weeks I started I started just putting things in his ear just hoping that I would eventually get a home birth and he said okay so I reached out to women local and I I was just trying to think of anybody I knew that had home births and there was not very many I only knew of one or two and they both directed me to the same midwife and so around 16 weeks I interviewed her and I want to 
read this list to you that I had made and I just found it today, a list of everything I told her in our first appointment, which she usually sets out to be an hour, but ended up being two because we talked so much. And this list, it's kind of so sad to think about now, but I'm going to read it. Okay. I said, I said, no touching my perineum or helping with stretching. No oil because she had wanted me to have olive oil at the birth. And I was like, what's the point in that? You're not going to touch me. I said, my body can stretch on its own. Um, and she agreed to this and um, said that she told me what she'd done it for. But now that she'd looked into evidence-based birth, that she didn't do it. But she did do the oil for some women if they wanted her to. But I said, I definitely didn't want that. Um, something else was I did not want her or her birth team to wear scrubs because, well, I was trying to avoid a medicalized birth. Why would I want to bring that into my home? I told her to bring a book and I literally laughed and was like, bring a book because you're not going to be needed very much. And <laughs> I, I said, do not get into my space. Only check me if I ask. Only use Doppler if I ask. Birth is not an emergency and do not treat it like one. And she told me that she would seldomly use the Doppler and um, I was like, okay, compromise. That was my first compromise. Um, I said, I will catch my own baby and tell you if I need help. Otherwise, do not touch me. And she told me that some women felt like they couldn't reach, but that she would let me try. And um, I said, I will hold and stimulate my own baby and suction went if I think that it's necessary myself. Do not intervene with my skin-to-skin -skin time. Do not rub off his burn. Do not rub the burnix off his back. Do not pull all my placenta. It will come on its own. I will start to be concerned after a long period of time. Just give me a gentle reminder around 20 minutes after. Be like, hey, do you want to try to squat? Do you need to pee? Do you like all the things? Um, and she was like, yeah, but she was like around after five minutes of the placenta boring, we'll see this detachment blood. And then you'll really just want to get it start. You'll want it to come pretty fast after that. She's like, if it wouldn't come on its own, I would maybe need to intervene. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen because it's not going to happen. And I just, <laughs> I, that was the one thing that I was like, I wasn't going to fight around, but I knew if it came down to it, I was never going to let her do that. So this appointment went pretty well. I She told me about her, all these births she'd been to, thousands of births, about 3,000, how she spent time in Jamaica and helped women there um, and told me about the breach births that she'd attended, which sparked my mind immediately because that was a question I had was about breach births because I just, I don't know, I had a feeling I needed to know about it. And she told me all about these breach births. She attended footling breach, like, Frank breach, complete breach, um, but ha told me about how her lysing was now, but that she still could kind of do it. And that okay. she would basically, I don't know how she worded it, but she kind of acted like she would still do it. She never told me she wouldn't attend a breach birth. She, she told me that she'd been attending them even in the past couple years, but that they were kind of all surprise breach births. So um, that was around 16 weeks, and I also saw my OB that week, and I, when I went to see my OB, I'm pretty sure that it was for a yeast infection, and when they went to swab me, 
Um, and it wasn't my actual OB. It was a younger doctor. And I would see multiple different doctors depending on who was in there that day. And since it was a like a that day thing because the yeast infection came on abruptly, um, they had me see somebody else. And she checked my cervix. And I did not ask her to. She was supposed to be swabbing me. And she checked my cervix and said, I just want to make sure everything's closed. Make sure that you have a competent cervix. And I, like, was just so astonished at that. Um, so the after she left the room, my doctor only had time to come in for a few minutes. And I told her what she'd done, and she told me she shouldn't have done that. Um, and at this point, I... When they went ahead and scheduled the anatomy scan, and when I left, I asked the midwife if I should go ahead and do this anatomy scan or what, because this OB did not back up home birth, so she couldn't do parallel care, and I knew I was going to have to transfer to somebody else. So she told me to go ahead and get the anatomy scan, so I did, and after that anatomy scan, they told me I needed another one because I couldn't see his spine because he was moving too fast or whatever, Um Yikes. Um, yes, I know. And I ended up having three anatomy scans. It's crazy. It sounds like a really incompetent office, to be honest. Like, they yeah. had so many issues. Yes. So I had, I went in for that anatomy scan. And afterwards, she talked to me in her office, told me how we were going to have to have the second one or whatever. And at this point, this is when I was like, hey, when are we going to talk about my birth plan? And she was like, birth plan? Like, she was like, it's super early. Uh, but we can, uh, she's like, I'll listen. I have a couple, t- I have a couple minutes. And I was like, okay. Um, I was like, so what about water birth? How do you feel about that? And she was like, Hmm, I suppose you could bring your own tub, but eh, that's not, that's not sanitary. I, I don't think I can do that. And she was like in hospital policies. And, <clears throat> and I was like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, I don't know that hospital birth is what you're wanting. And I, cause basically I guess natural birth can't happen in the hospital. <laughs> Uh, um so I was just like okay and just felt so brushed off and I when I got home I just I knew right away I was gonna hire the midwife and Mm -hmm. I really hadn't found any other midwives so that was to me my only option and the best option at the time right Um, that's really common I find that women will um just pick the first one they're like oh it's the only one I'm going with this one and that is like the most common thing yes yes and it wasn't till postpartum that I like finally started getting my name out there in the birth community and realizing there were a couple traditional midwives in my area I just didn't have the connections to find them there wasn't the group to find them because these midwives they they can't just advertise that what they're doing and the services that they're providing. So I just was never able to find a midwife that would have worked for me. Absolutely. You usually have to know somebody that knows them to get connected with those people in states that don't allow traditional midwifery. Yes, exactly. And that's exactly how I found this traditional midwife later. Um, So... I guess. <laughs> Where are you located, though? I thought you were in um, Ohio. No, I'm in Indiana, but I'm in southern Indiana, oh, so okay. we we border Ohio and Kentucky. Okay. Trying to so, say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, once you um, were going through that prenatal care, did you finally switch completely over to the midwife at some point? 
Yes. So about at 23 weeks, I was completely switched over. I had to switch to an OB that backed her up before she would fully take me on as a client. Um, okay. So I, I switched to a midwife that was actually way closer. I mean, not a midwife, an OB that was way closer, which I actually found out later. She is not an actual OB. She's a family doctor, but that was never, ever told to me. Not even what? by her. Yes. That is so odd. I've never heard of that. Like, why would she even send you there? Because they can't do anything as a family doctor. Well, at this hospital, all we have is family doctors that there's two in an office. They do the prenatal care. They do, like, they'll send you to the hospital for the ultrasounds. And then they will um, attend your birth and deliver or catch your baby, I'll say, because they don't deliver your baby. But, um they'll come and deliver your baby. Uh, but if there's anything out of their scope, so if you're going to have to have a surgery or anything, you're going to have, I, they'll be there with epidurals and stuff. I just, there is a scope that it, it, there's a limitation, but the doctors that come in from other hospitals are coming from at least 30 minutes out. So it's, it's kind of a screwed up situation where we're having family doctors, um, perform episiotomies in this hospital yikes that is really scary actually that they're not telling people that (laughs) yeah yeah I had gotten a video of this doctor sent to me postpartum so after I'd already had my baby um this doctor that was my doctor that was the parallel care um doctor uh of her telling this mom that her baby was going to die and that she had to cut her and like it was it was just like normal um I would say a variation of normal heart patterns because she was pushing on her back and just the whole situation and how the mom was saying no and it was just a really 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 bad situation and um I'm so glad that this woman felt confident enough to share that video with me and that I could not really spread the word because I'm not trying to do that but when my client asks me about or some a woman asks me about that doctor I tell them straight up what I know and what I experienced and what I know other women experienced mm-hmm. um so I saw that doctor and I didn't really see her that much um I declined the glucose test at 28 weeks and I wasn't really going to see her again until 36 for the all clear appointment that was supposed to be my all clear. You can birth at home as long as you don't go to 42. Uh, I'll see you hopefully not ever again. And so that's like, that's what my, my whole thing, I was getting to that appointment and I got to that appointment and I asked her because I had an ongoing yeast infection or possibly bacterial vaginosis that was never diagnosed right or treated properly so they kept giving me yeast creams and never worked and they seemed to just burn me worse and hurt me worse so this day I was like okay you've got to figure out what is going on so can you please swab me or something so I can get this taken care of because it's really uncomfortable and so she she actually used a speculum and I just like I didn't even I don't know I didn't feel like that was needed and it hurt and Mm -hmm. um, when she swabbed me she took took it out and she said can I go ahead and check you since I'm here and I was like 
I guess, and she and it, my cervix was so high, she had to have me put my hands under my butt to help her get her hand up there. Her fingers. Right. That's when you know that you don't really need to be checking at that yes, point. Like yes, if you have I, to go I, that far. Yes, and I never needed it anyways. But uh, at the point when you're already there and they say it and you feel like, I don't know what she'll do if I say no. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I knew, I knew I didn't have to, but I was like, whatever. So I did, and she said that I was a centimeter and a half, 30% thin, and she could feel my baby's head. And then she was like, huh. Well, let me just go get the portable ultrasound to check. You want to see your baby, don't you? And I was like, I guess, but I was really reluctant, and she kind of had to convince me. And I just had a feeling, like, I always thought he was, because even when she would belly map, even when the midwife would belly map, and they would tell me he was head down, I was always like, are you sure? And they'd always Mm -hmm. say yes. And um, so she went and got the portable ultrasound, and... She was like, yep, that's what I thought. That's a baby's butt in your pelvis. And I was like, hmm, great, great. And how far along were you at this point? 36 weeks. Okay. Yeah, so she wanted me to go over to the hospital for a more thorough ultrasound to be sure. I don't know how you can, I mean, like, I don't know how she couldn't be sure from that. (laughs) Right. That is funny. (laughs) Yeah, so I went over to the hospital, which this was like, their office is like, basically in the parking lot of the hospital so they walk over or run over to the hospital if they have to deliver a baby Mm. during their work hours or whatever um so I went over there and I got an ultrasound and this was actually a couple days later I think they had scheduled it for just to be sure that he was still breech I guess so I had my sister come with me because I was just distraught after I left that appointment she's the first person I called crying because they told me well I was probably gonna have to have a c-section and they would schedule one and that they, well they wanted to schedule an ECV first but she told me that in a couple of weeks if he still hadn't turned and I hadn't done the ECV and that hadn't turned him that she would want to schedule a c-section and that my midwife would no longer accept me for home birth and I just like when I left that that appointment that day um I don't know. I just couldn't believe it. And when I'd asked my midwife for advice, she told me to get the ECV right away. She was like, get it as soon as possible before baby's too big to turn. And I was like, okay. So I scheduled it. And, um, oh, I do want to talk about that ultrasound really quick because I went to that that ultrasound and my sister came with me, my sister who has had four C-sections. And this ultrasound tech had very clearly also had all cesarean births because she told me um she was telling me that as she was scanning or whatever she was like yes he's breached she told me he was about seven pounds um and I was like okay whatever like yeah <laughs> um and she said that she was like did they go ahead and schedule your c-section yet and I was like no I'm not having a c-section I'm having a home birth and she was like, no, you're not, honey. They're going to um, they're gonna at least try to turn him. And she was like, you're probably going to have a, a surgery, though. And she just kept going on about how I should just go ahead and get comfortable with it because it's not that bad and how she had him with her babies. And I just, like, it felt like everywhere around me was just, like, trying to talk me into this surgery. Even my sister at this point was kind of like, well, it won't be the end of the world if you don't get what you want. 
you know, at least your baby will be healthy. I was making sure you could still hear me. My phone went to my home screen. Um, so, um, that ultrasound appointment was really bad. And then the ECV was scheduled for March 12th. Um, and that was on a Thursday and we went in that morning and I had to sign cesarean papers. I wasn't allowed to eat all that night before. I remember how starving and sick I felt just in like started having acid reflux because I hadn't been able to eat anything and I was feeling just terrible. And then when I came in, they had me, um, scrub my body with wipes for surgery. Um, looks like iodine uh, or betadine had me wipe every part of my body down, my armpits, um, my vagina. That's so weird. I have never heard of that. I'm not super versed on cesarean preparation, but like, damn, why? I know. I, and I, I really like, I like why prepare somebody for a cesarean? Like you guys do things abruptly when there's an emergency cesarean. So why would you need to prep me hours in advance? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and so my family doctor obviously couldn't perform this ECV. So a doctor from Bloomington, so he was driving about 40 minutes out and he met me there that morning and he asked me if another, that other family doctor, which was a male from that um, office there with my doctor, um, if that man could assist in the ECV. And I said, yes, they do tell you your risks, but they're glorified risks because right after they tell you that this could end in a c-section they also just make it seem like it's not a big deal like we're gonna get your baby turned or we're gonna try and if it doesn't go well you're just you'll get to go home or we'll schedule that cesarean whatever because they were talking about scheduling it already um and so they they had offered me an epidural before I started, but I said no, I wanted to do it with no epidural. And they give you a shot of terbutaline before they start to help relax your uterus. And it is actually something that's used in asthma patients and it helps it like speed your heart rate up a lot. And it's so uncomfortable, made me feel like I was on speed and I did not like it at all. Um, so they give you that, I think about, I think it has to be done about 15 minutes before they start the turning process. And they brought the portable ultrasound in. Yes, he was still breaching. He was actually going between Footling and Frank the whole time. And the more they messed with him, the more breach he got, the more Footling breach. Like he would go single Footling and then he'd go double Footling and then he'd go complete breach. And it was um, just like, it was just so ineffective. His head was um, right at my ribs. So they attempted four hands. So it was a OB and a family doctor. And they pushed, they pushed so hard. They had me in a slight Trendelenburg position. So I was kind of like tilted backwards on this bed on my back. And um, there was a student nurse also in there and probably two or three other nurses that wanted to watch. Um, and I, I didn't, it just felt terrible. Like, um, my spouse actually didn't stay right next to me and he was in the corner because there were so many people surrounded the bed and so many hands on my body 
that he couldn't have even been up on my head to like hold my hand um and it was so painful i cried through the first one and by the second one um which they gave me a sh each time they would attempt they'd give me about a 40 minute to an hour break and they'd give me another shot of terbutaline before they started again um so i got another shot of terbutaline and then they started attempting again and through this one i screamed because it was just so painful um it was just so bad and um i asked for a break and when they came back the next time they asked me um if i would get an epidural and give it one last try and you know i really wanted a home birth so i did um got the epidural and i knew it wasn't going to work as soon as she put it in in the first test or the first bolus, ebolus, however they say it, goes through your body because it only was feeling it in my right leg from about my hip or my thigh, I'd say down. I felt no, like anywhere where they were touching, it was not numb. There was no relief from that. Um, That's so crazy. That's the same thing that happened to me with my first baby. That same chunk of my right yeah, leg, it, same thing. That's yeah, so and she told me that it was the way my anatomy was set up, the anesthesiologist she was like it's just the way your body is I'm not going to give you another one because it won't work right that's what I was told as well yeah and so I was like well I never wanted one anyway so shut it off <laughs> I wanted to get out of the bed, the bed right. and pee and I didn't want to be uh, I didn't want to get a catheter so she sh after they attempted even with the, w the one leg numb because they were like well it's you want to just go ahead and do this last attempt and i was like yeah whatever i got this epidural so yeah um um they gave me the shot and then this last attempt it's like even though i told them i wasn't numb and they kept giving me more in the epidural even though i told them i wasn't numb they tried way harder this time and I have never screamed the way I screamed in those about 10 minutes on that bed. And after, and I was squeezing a nurse's hand. This was the student nurse. And I just, I don't know, like I was so overwhelmed looking around being like all these people I definitely didn't want in here anyway. And didn't I, yeah. So I asked to be done and to shut everything off and I wanted food and I wanted to go home and um, so they shut everything off be also I forgot to say the last attempt because of the epidural my blood pressure plummeted because of the mix of the epidural and the terbutaline shot my blood pressure plummeted and I started vomiting and I just felt like absolute crap um, so I mean after that That's I was so I was just defeated I was like this is over like who cares if he doesn't turn like I'm going home he's going to turn on his own we're going to try everything at home and um when they left the room my son's father asked me to go ahead and schedule a cesarean so when the doctor came back uh it was like the doctor was talking to him and not to me and they said he was like okay I'll have the the nurses call you and they'll schedule it and they went ahead and scheduled it and picked a day and or whatever and I was like okay and I knew I wasn't gonna go um but it was for weeks out and I obviously didn't make it to that point anyway so about at still 36 weeks I was nesting a lot I was um 
like I just cleaned my house, all the baseboards. I was, um, I, I didn't have an appetite really at the end. So it was really all of a sudden when March 15th, I was like, let's go to the store and get enough stuff to make a bunch of homemade pizzas and invite my sister and her kids over. And uh, my mother-in-law was there. She was helping me clean the house to get ready for the baby. So um, my sister came over. We probably made like eight pizzas and I ate so much. And I remember sitting there telling my sister this and she was like, oh, you're going to go into labor. She's like, you ate all that food. She's like, you're just preparing for what's to come. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And, um, I had a bunch of extra milk and I don't really drink milk and I had so many gallons of it. So I was supposed to be sending some home with her and she didn't take it. So after she left, um, it's really just crazy how it happened. After she left, I got into an argument with my spouse, um, about free birth. Honestly, I was telling him all my fears about how I did not want to have a surgery. I did not want to go to the hospital. And I thought I could do it all on my own at home. And I, if he wasn't going to be supportive, that I was going to do it on my own. And he told me I was crazy, that I was going to kill my baby, our baby. How could I do that? How would I, why would I put my baby in danger like that? And I got a big, I got a big spill. And just the way and the type of control he held over me, I, I really did care about how it made him feel. So that control was gained by him. And I shook him off and the fight ended and I was stubborn for a little bit. And I was like, well, let's take her that milk, trying to <laughs> trying to get along with him. And um, we took her the milk and I was like, okay, let's just go get some ice cream before we go home. And I got a caramel frappe from McDonald's. And it was like as soon as I pulled off and took a drink of it, I had my first contraction. And the drive home was probably about an eight-minute drive. And about halfway home, I had another one. And I looked over at him, and I was like, this is different. Wow. Like, all this time, I thought I was going to have a baby a long time ago. You know, because you're a first-time mom. You don't know what Braxton Hicks are. And you don't know what... um what am I trying to think of? Prodromal. Not prodromal, just the, your lower ligament pain, round ligament pain. Yeah. I thought that was contractions at 28 weeks. So I just, when you're a first time mom, I just, sometimes you, you, you like really want it to be something. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. So I was really in denial. I was like, this feels different, but Eh, it's probably not anything and we got home and we took showers and he asked he put he put his pajamas on he asked me if he should go to bed or what he should do and I was like yeah just go to bed and he's like well you don't really seem like you're in labor so yeah I'll just go to bed I have to work in the morning so I was like okay I'm just gonna stay down here <laughs> and I got my paper out and I started timing contractions around 10 o'clock and slowly started losing mucus plug throughout my contractions and like sent my sister a picture and was like hey look <laughs> what is this <laughs> this is mucus plug right and she was like yes oh my god and she's like what's going on and I was like uh I I'm having contractions they're you know they're about three minutes apart they're anywhere from 30 30 seconds to a minute long and um and I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do I don't 
I've been, I texted my midwife. I was like, she hasn't texted me back. Um, I don't think she's going to come, honestly. And she was like, I'll come, I'll come over. And I was like, yeah, I'll let you know if I need you. And I honestly wish I had taken my sister up. But when I did actually say, okay, like you could come over, she's busy, has four kids. She couldn't come over anyway. But um, I did my rounds around the house, texted my midwife another time. Um, I tried to go upstairs and lay down. Um, but that was not going to happen. I laid down for maybe a second. And uh, as soon as I laid down, I had a contraction. So I sprung right back up and was like, nope, nope, nope. And went right back down the stairs. And I started swaying on the counter. And even when I got into bed, it didn't wake up um, my son's father. So I was downstairs making my rounds. Things are getting more intense. I'm spending a lot more time on the toilet trying to pee between them felt like maybe there was a small trickle but like I could not stay off that toilet I thought I had to poop I did poop I emptied my bowels throughout this this point um but then it was no longer anything left to come out of me (laughs) um and I spent some time doing inversions and trying to get the baby to turn talking to him just saying, sweet boy, come on, you can turn, we can have this home birth, Um, the midwife will be able to come, and he was reluctant. (laughs) I knew he wasn't going to turn, and the inversion started to feel ineffective for my labor. It felt like I was working against my body, so I stopped that and was doing more hands and knees, and um, I was actually in my guest bedroom on the floor doing hands and knees when I thought, well, I think I should just call the midwife and see what she thinks. And I called her and woke her up out of her sleep in bed. And she um, was like, hey, um, like, what's up? What do you need? And I was like, oh, um, hold on. Like, hold on, I'm having a contraction. Um, I don't know what to do. Like, where, what do I do? And as I was having this contraction, I wasn't really able to talk to her through it, but I was listening to her. And she goes, I think that you need to get your bags and get going. And I was like, well, what do you, like, what do you mean? Get my bags and get going. She's like, um, well, you could go to Louisville and try to get the, a gentle cesarean there. They have nurse midwives there and they do gentle cesareans with clear drape uh, births. And I think that would be your best option. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, I just was like, okay, like, I guess I'll go get Shane and I guess we'll get our bags and we'll get going. Like what? I was like, I guess I'm going to see how it goes a little bit longer. Um, and we'll see. So I already had bags packed from the ECV. So I went upstairs and I woke him up and he was like, are you sure? Like, I didn't, I really did not look like I was in labor. Like, looking back, I could see what, what people are talking about when they said that I looked like I handled it well. Um, so I, I don't know. I woke him up and we, I told him to get the bags in the car and that we would try to labor a little bit longer at home. But at this point, I just felt like things were moving really quickly. And the midwife was telling me she didn't think I was going to make it if I waited much longer. So I, um, got the bags in the car and we took off and about probably seven minutes down the road I was like oh my gosh turn around my birth plan's at home in the folder 
So we went home and got it. And I'm like, in these contractions, I'm like just starting to feel a lot of pressure, a lot of low pelvic pressure. And they were getting longer and closer together. And the car ride took me out of my zone because at home I was able to stay on top of them. I was able to do whatever I needed to do, straddle the toilet, do whatever I had to do to get through them. In the car, every bump, every pothole from French Lake to Jasper was was very much felt. Um, I decided to go to Jasper because I didn't think I was going to make it to Louisville, especially after turning around for the birth plan. And the midwife told me to call whatever hospital I was going to go to ahead so they could get their OR ready. And then she started texting me, telling me how I could get a VBAC. But I had to wait two years postpartum because she couldn't do it unless I waited that long. And that I could see this these OB or these um, this OB office in Louisville that has nurse midwives there, which is the same place that she wanted me to go for the gentle cesarean. Um, basically telling me I could get a VBAC before I'd even had the surgery. Um, it was just so rude <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't like, like that <laughs> no it's not um yeah I that was so disgusting and I was reading them to um my spouse as I was getting them like what the fuck this is crazy um but we get to the hospital I like waddle in and right when I get up to talk to the lady at the office the little desk or whatever um I was like hey labor and delivery is waiting for me they know I'm coming um she's like are you even in labor and right as she said that I start I felt like a little bit more of a gush than I had been feeling this whole time in my underwear um and I was like little do you know my water just broke but I was like they have an OR team waiting for me I'm pretty sure so like let's just get going because I was hardcore in labor and um they wheeled me back up upstairs and um had a they were like the doctor will be here soon we're gonna get portable ultrasound in here to make sure the baby's breech whatever um they checked my cervix told me i was a six oh they're like six mm, you're so soft mm, maybe a seven and then they told me i was 100 percent thinned um so the doctor, the on-call doctor came in. Um, the on-call doctor was not the doctor that I had seen at this hospital um, early in pregnancy. So I had told him, I was like, hey, if you can get that doctor that I had, you know, till 20 weeks, that'd be great. So they called that doctor. She was, she was so happy. She wanted to come in. Um, but that other doctor, because I had a breech baby and she'd never seen a breech baby before, said oh no I'm on call I want to take this one so I was like whatever I had no say the nurses were sad for me and they were they were also telling me we hope the baby isn't breached because you're handling this so well um they didn't like when they told me I was a six I was like wow I thought I was gonna get sent home and they said we thought you were too I thought that was so freaking rude I was I mean I was hard at work whether I handled it well and kept my game face on well I was in another land um they definitely are known to say like rude things like that that are like hello this is common <laughs> sense that you don't say those kind of things to a person especially like that might be in labor whether yes. they are or not yeah so 
Yeah, they've had a lot of comments. And then after, like, they confirmed the baby was breached, um, they were like, oh, dang, well, maybe you can get your V back, you know, because it wasn't your fault. It was the baby's fault. Maybe you'll be able to get your V back. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And the, they're like, okay, the doctor will be here to talk to you. And I, I the doctor's like, well, um, so um, here's these cesarean papers. I'm going to go back and get ready. And I was like, uh, no, I want to talk about vaginal birth. Um, I, I want to talk about that. And she was like, what? Um, that's dangerous. Why would you want to do that? Why would you put your baby at risk? And um, I don't know. She gave me a, a talk. A, like, sat, like it felt like I was being talked to by the principal when I was a child. <clears throat> um, like she just felt like I was being irresponsible. Told me that she didn't lack the skills, but that like basically that she did lack the skills because she wasn't going to do it um and I told her that definitely definitely lack the skills like if you're if you're saying no like yeah she's like I don't I I said because I said have you not been trained in breech birth and she said no I don't lack the education but I'm just not willing to do it but I cannot tell you no okay so if you cannot, I just, it was just the way she worded it. And then after she left the room, I had somebody else in my ear telling me like everything back to me that I'd already heard from the doctor. We don't, Bryce, I don't want our baby to die. I, I really like, and, and me, I really did care how he felt. And I hated that he thought our baby could die. If I was going to have a vaginal birth, I, I wouldn't have felt supported through that vaginal birth. I wouldn't have felt held and loved. I would have felt so much fear. Um, I, that's all I felt was fear, but not from, from me. I, it was all projected fear because I had full confidence that I could give birth vaginally no matter where I was. That happens often. That happens all the time in home birth. I see like they're good, but then when they get to the points in labor where they're broken down, they're vulnerable or just, you know, in labor they're it changes the whole path of everything that's going on. They don't feel supported and it becomes not a good vibe. And I see that all the time everywhere, like home and facility. Everybody has to be on the same page. And it sounds like he was like not. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, my midwife told me early on that I should hire a doula. And I I wish I had listened because, but I just, I felt like, okay, I'm not going to need a a doula you told me you're gonna do everything on my birth plan why would I need one um um so I like I felt like I had a great relationship with the midwife throughout the pregnancy up until the point after uh she found out that the baby was breached at 36 weeks I did not see her from that point on um we didn't meet anymore there was no longer weekly appointments at that point they were just kind of like, it was kind of like, you need to figure out what you're going to do to get the baby turned if the baby doesn't turn. But there was never a conversation had about that. So I really, when I called her in labor and she didn't say, okay, I'm going to come be with you, even if I was to go to the hospital, why wouldn't she offer to come with me? I didn't give a shit how far she had to drive from. Like, I really just needed somebody. I needed a woman. I wanted a wise woman to help me, to be there for me, to hold space for me. I didn't care if it was for a surgery or not. I just wanted somebody. (laughs) Sorry, I'm emotional. It's okay. 
That's all right. It totally makes sense. And every woman deserves that. Yeah. So, so I had the conversation with the doctor arguing with her about breech birth and um, was just like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. Um, she even had a conversation with me about VBAC, also told me that she loves VBAC birth and that um, she would love to take me on as a future client if I got pregnant, if I waited a good year before I got pregnant, and I'd be a good candidate for VBAC because it was my baby and not me, which that just kept being said to me even by the midwife, even in postpartum. So yes. <laughs> your baby's fault what like yeah I know wrong. <laughs> so they left us alone for a little bit they had to get a whole OR team there anesthesiologist and stuff so I was still laboring um I think I don't know that I had an IV yet soon after they gave me an IV with fluids and they they did those same cloths on my belly that I had to do before to my whole body. But this time it wasn't done to my whole body and I was actually having a surgery. <laughs> um, so I was spending a lot of time in the bathroom and like during the peak of a contraction, I was definitely starting to push through these contractions. This is probably about an hour after I'd arrived at the hospital. Um, I was having a lot of bloody show and a lot of mucus and now fluid, um, which they did test when I got there and it was positive for amniotic fluid. Um, so a nurse came and knocked on the door after about probably an hour and a half after being there and was like, hey, are you ready? Um, are you okay in there? I was like, yeah, I just need another minute. Um, yeah, I just need another minute. <laughs> And I, I probably stayed in there more like five or six more minutes and probably had three contractions in that in that time frame. They were just like right back to back. Some of them felt like they were double peaking contractions. Um, and at the, the highest peak of them, I was, like I said, I felt like I had to poop, but there was no more poop. And I was I was grunting through them like, Ugh, uh, just, yeah, I had no idea that I was pushing but I kind of thought I might be but I was like they told me I was a six there's no way I could be any further than that the baby's not going to come but also a butt is not the same shape or size as a head so um it felt like he was coming much faster uh than he probably would have head down but I can't say that for sure but things are moving quickly and so they asked my spouse to get gowned up put his booties on, whatever. They took him out of the room They and they took him somewhere else to do that. Uh, and they were like, okay, um, I'm going to give you a few more minutes and then are you ready? And I said, uh, ready, what do you mean? Like, aren't you going to like wheel the bed back there? And they're like, no, you have to walk. And I was like, okay. So I walked barefoot. Um, this, this was like the day COVID was really starting to hit and policies were starting to go into place places but there wasn't any policies here yet um so I didn't have to wear a mask or anything like that but I did walk uh, myself back there and I had a contraction all the way from the triage room to the table got myself up on the table the contraction seemed to stop for just like one second and then go straight back into full peak again and at the peak of this which it just it never stopped that contraction just like didn't stop uh, I was a full force like bearing down 
and they were like, okay, we're going to give you this spinal, and you're going to lay back, and I was like, I'm not even going to get an opportunity to push, like, it's not happening, like, it was right then I realized, even if I was pushing, I was getting cut open, Um, so I laid down, and they pulled the drape back, and they pretty much started cutting right away my spouse hadn't even walked in the door yet um, and I, as they started cutting and I'm hearing tools I asked the doctor where is he where is he and he walked in the doors really fast and they were like sorry sorry something happened or whatever I, but I, they shouldn't have started without him in the room um I'm hearing like lots of like metal instruments hip hands and I, I just like is everything's feeling so out of body like it's so white the lights are so bright I can smell my own skin burning and it's just super intense and I asked the doctor like how like how much longer when are we going to meet our baby and she was like not much longer um and she was like he's really wedged down in your pelvis and I was she's like he must have been there for a while she's like he must have been there for a while but uh yeah I was pushing that's the thing I was pushing um but I just went unnoticed and I never told anybody because I didn't want them to rush me back for a botched surgery because that was also something that my midwife had told me was that to try to act as like composed as I could through my contractions so I didn't get a rushed botched surgery um yeah (laughs) wow she said some audacious stuff like I don't understand her (laughs) or her logic behind the things she said I don't know yeah that's audacious (laughs) yes so where was I (laughs) you were waiting to meet the baby yes she said um um what is the gender of the baby it is a boy, right? And I was like, yes, it's a boy. She's like, okay, no surprise gender today. Um, and a second doctor put his hand on the top of my stomach and pushed my son's head. And his the other doctor with two hands pulled him out by his butt and his feet were straight up by his head. Um, immediately, um, the cord was cut. The reason I know times is because a nurse had taken my spouse's phone and asked if we wanted pictures, which was honestly one of the best things that any nurse could have done for me in those moments. I know. Yeah, I wish I could say thank you to her, and I probably will because it's dime a dozen for good hospital nurses. Um, So she took the pictures, and it was of, like, you could see everything. You could see my stomach. So, like, having those pictures were wonderful because – I, they probably would have never even let me got my photographer in there if I wanted to, but I had a birth photographer planned out for home birth, so I did not get to utilize that. Um, but the pictures show he was born at 3.53. They hold him up over the drape. His cord was the thickest, chunky cord I've probably ever seen, and it was so beautiful and long and just just beautiful. And within a minute, so it wasn't even... 354 still at 353 the cord had been clamped cut at a longer length and he'd been taken over to the warmer um I had just been shown him for a split second and they took him to the warmer um dad got to go over there and cut the cord which really he didn't get to cut the cord from the placenta because they had already done that 
Um, the placenta was whisked away, which if the nurse had read my birth plan, like she said she had, she would know, have known that I asked for delayed cord clamping and to have my placenta or to at least look at it. So I never got to see it, which now I've realized it has been a huge thing for me. Like I didn't realize not seeing my placenta and not being able I don't know, to have that spiritual bond and connection with it and tell it thank you. Like, it's been a big deal to not have been able to do that. So it's something that I definitely look forward to being able to do with a future birth. Um, But the cord was cut by dad, and then he got to hold the baby. Um, I have pictures of him, like, in this little warmer, and his feet were stuck straight up by his head like straight up in the air or up by his ears he did not want to put his legs down and it was that way for really weeks maybe even months of that and which doctors did want me to do an ultrasound on it but we never ended up doing it because he's fine and he's 13 months and he's starting to walk now so that was never an issue um but they brought me back to my room and or they actually took me back to the triage room and I ripped down my gown and finally was able to hold him for the first time. This is probably about when he was about an hour old, maybe 45 minutes at the earliest. And um, I ripped my gown down. Wow. I took his blanket off. I ripped his hat off. I put him up to my chest. He latched. It was a lazy latch right away, but I had no one there um, offering me help either um not that I really wanted it honestly but um the nurse kept coming back over and putting his hat on telling me that he had to have it and I was like you don't understand I'm just gonna keep taking it off if you keep putting it on him because the only thing he needs to regulate his temperature is me and it was a it was kind of an ordeal that the newborn hat that was a thing that was really pushed on me about keeping him warm, but he was fine. Um, Got back to our postpartum room, and uh, I was itching this whole time. I guess I failed to mention that. The medicine made me itch so bad all over my face, my ears. Um, So I couldn't itch myself till after they released my arms from the table because they were strapped down probably until, right until I left the room, so for the whole surgery till about 45 minutes postpartum when they took me off that bed and put me onto another one and took me into recovery room. Um, I got really nauseous and I threw up uh, quite a bit just from all the hormones and they had Pitocin hung. So my uterus was contracting and they were coming in and giving bundle massage, checking my bleeding. And these were things I never wanted postpartum, but because I'd had a surgery and I had not really researched a surgery because I was not planning a surgery, I didn't know if I should decline bundle massage. I felt like something so artificial had already been done to me that I didn't know what I should and shouldn't do at that point. It wasn't something I was planning. Right. I wouldn't even know. I honestly don't know what they do for after cesarean care. Besides the basics, but like, yeah, why are they doing, I don't know. Does Did you have pains? Did you have contraction pains yeah. after birth mm-hmm. at all? Does yeah, I still did through cesarean? nursing and everything. But the Pitocin, I think, was hung to 
en- enhance that because I obviously wouldn't have the natural response to birth to get those going, I, I would assume. Um, and the plus, the plus, the, the pl- yes, no. because the I placenta mean, the hor- the still attaches, still so of shift. course the hormones still shift, but I'm sure it's not as much of a, I don't know, an, a dramatic shift probably. Because I, I felt like Possibly. in my postpartum experience, sure. um, I felt like it definitely affected our nursing relationship, not being able to start right away and also the interrupted hormones. I, I really did feel like that played a role in it. It took a lot it took a lot longer than I expected it to for my milk to come in, not that there's any set time for it to come in, but I was only pumping probably 20 milliliters at a week and a half postpartum and that was from total that was from both breasts and it was just a rough start from ties getting revised and then the trauma from that then you have to heal from that chiropractic care and such um and then I do want to talk about how um my son got MRSA from the hospital in his eyes Uh, He had pus coming out of his eyes, so I had the doctor culture it, and it was MRSA. And a few days later, my incision started leaking the same kind of pus. And this was about, I don't know, he was about two or three weeks old when we got it cultured on him. By five weeks postpartum, I, on a Friday, called the doctor's office and was like, this is hurting so bad, it's turning red and purple like we've got to do something I don't know if it needs drained what do I do they told me to put some bacitracin like basically like neosporin ointment on it and that it would be fine but if I wanted to come in I could and I said I wanted to come in because I thought it was bad so I went in and a nurse practitioner saw me she swabbed it and and then she went and she's like, I want to talk to the, go talk to the doctor, see if she'll culture this, um, because that's what I asked her to do. Told her that my son had had MRSA, and she went and asked this doctor, which this doctor that she asked was the same doctor that was the young doctor that did the cervical check around 16 weeks, which I felt was way too early to be even asking or attempting for that. Um, she went and asked the doctor. The doctor never even came and saw me or talked to me told her that it didn't look like it was enough pus to be anything concerned about. And so I um, went home. By Sunday, I couldn't walk. I couldn't get out of bed. I could barely lift up out of bed. I had to have help. It was turning black and purple. And I called the OB office um, and left a voicemail. And Monday morning, they said, come in. And so I did. And the nurse told me that it was pretty much a, not a painless procedure to drain um, the incision, but that most women handle it pretty well with local anesthetic, and it would be fine, and I would go home, and I wouldn't need any pain medication or anything like that. So this young doctor came in, and she gave me one shot of lidocaine on the surface, and not even 20 seconds later, she grabbed her scalpel and she cut about an inch, inch and a half and started digging into my incision to drain this pus out, um, like digging all around it. 
the most ex- like it's just excruciating if the two most painful things i've experienced in my life are the ecv and this drainage procedure that was done yeah and i Sounds was horrific again in agony no screaming and crying nothing i ever did in labor like the stuff that had <laughs> the type of trauma that i had that was the most painful came from providers because my natural body never made me feel that type of pain <laughs> Um, so they drained it, they stuffed it with, um, some kind of antibiotic stuff and sent me home with no medication, told me to take ibuprofen, and I felt like I had started my whole C-section recovery over again. Right, you pretty much did if they're cutting open again and redoing what they had already done. And they don't do stitches, they left packing in me and told me when it came out on its own that was fine um but they weren't gonna stitch it so that little spot just has a ugly scar part to the to the rest of it which is another thing about my scar which I just want to add this because ugh, providers are gross because during this surgery the providers were talking about golf which was in my birth plan to not discuss chatter during my birth but my birth plan was not read. It was skimmed over by a nurse. Um, yeah, very clearly. Clearly. Um, but they were talking about golf, <laughs> which was just so shitty. And this was, they weren't talking about golf till after the baby was born. So whatever. But so they're stitching me up or not. Yeah, they were stitching me up and then they glue the top the top layer of your skin and I was like when will I get to hold my baby when will I be able to itch my face he asked the anesthesiologist asked me if I wanted Benadryl but he said you probably wouldn't be able to hold your baby because you'd be too tired so I said no I'm not going to get that um and I said again I was like to the doctor like hey when will I be able to hold my baby is there any chance I can just hold him right here and um she said she didn't really say anything she was like we're just finishing up and the anesthesiologist told me he was like if you want to have a nice bikini in the summer you better just be patient and I was like are you serious like oh. I was like oh my gosh he's like if you ever want to wear a bikini again and look nice that <sighs> is another audacious comment I don't understand your luck with yeah like that I, were I, pretty so pristine. just jeez, like that is the most male man of power thing that I felt like that could have been said to me like just something that somebody thought they had like power over me in that moment to make a comment like that was just so out of place right that's exactly that's what I'd think too oh the whole experience just sounds like not a good time and I'm curious like personally what would you do differently, like, knowing what you know now? Like, what could you have done to, like, what would you suggest for another mom that would be in a similar position as you? What is something um, you Targeting do? what exactly? <laughs> like, um... So, like, from the beginning, like, when they first started saying, oh, you're, when they offered the um, intervention, whenever they were, hey, can we just check while we're down here? I think that that's where things took a turn because had they yes. not, it would so have been another surprise breach. No? If I could have done that over again, I would have never 
said yes and definitely never said yes to the portable ultrasound because they would have never known um but even more so i will never step foot in an office like that ever again because for me just being there is enough influence to myself to my energy to my pregnancy to my fertility to my birth like for me i will not be able to take on that energy not now not ever probably it would really have to be an emergency for me to step foot anywhere near a provider again when it comes to my health and especially a future birth so um afterwards did you tell the midwife how you felt like that you felt abandoned or like ask her why she didn't come because she had said she had breach experience so why wouldn't this lady yeah so later she afterwards she talked to me a little bit about the baby and how I was feeling but only really talked to me if I texted her so I would send her picture updates of the baby I expected to still have a postpartum appointment and I never had one and I like I just expected her to still care about me postpartum um but it was like I was nobody to her anymore. Like, um, I start. I was continuing to send her money because I was sending her so much money a month, and she would have been paid off before the birth had she not stopped seeing me at 36 weeks. So she sent me back a couple hundred dollars because um, I, I went to send her money, and I was like, I still feel like I owe you money if you're going to be doing a postpartum appointment, which I didn't owe her crap, but. It was just the way I was set about paying her. I wanted her to be, have her money and I wanted it to, to be over. So, and I was technically assisting for her and I knew she'd be calling me for future births. So, um, it wasn't until she asked me to attend a birth with her that we started kind of, it got to the point where we were forced to have the conversation, like what the heck went on. Um, She asked me to attend a birth with her and she wanted me to wear a face shield and a full setup. And I was like, is that what the mom wants? And she said that it didn't matter what they wanted. That's what she's doing. And that's what everybody on her birth team is going to wear. And I basically said no. And she and it was this was the same day that we had uh, our we split our separate ways as far as birth work goes, because I support unassisted birth and she does not think that that is safe so we decided to split our ways that day i may i finally opened up on facebook about well about medwives and i made some type of small post maybe a share whatever it was it set her off and she messaged me and sent me a very long paragraph about how she was sorry that I felt abandoned and I so she just apologized but it was not justifiable um her apology was so empty and yeah it was it was way too late coming anyway but it sounds like a cynical midwife very cynical and med wife like <laughs> just not caring and the way that she just wrote you off once your care transferred that shows me a lot like I don't think I could do that. I would be constantly worried, feeling like I failed this person. Like she could have showed up that night. She woke up, she answered the phone. It is just like beyond me that she had the audacity to be like, yep, you need to pack your bags. Good luck, girl. 
Like you're young. Like she knew what you were looking at. Yeah. To me, that was no, not okay. Oh, none of it was okay. That was not okay. And it's even worse now that I've, now that I've thrown myself into birth work and she sees me as a threat, which I don't see any woman as a threat. I think there's enough uh, work for us all. We're all into different work. There's enough work for us all. And she's not obviously attending unassisted birth or she's not being hands off enough. So a lot of her past clients have now become my clients or future clients. And it's really sad that a lot of these women have pointed out to me just from their own words that in their community, they have saw this midwife. Um, she they, they think that she's beyond her years of midwifery because she can't get around very well, things like that. But that she... Um, that she's constantly having women do things out of her own convenience, even if it's for her health and positioning. So there, she's having women get out of the pool because it's more convenient for her, things like that. Um, and and women and women are quite frankly just tired of it. So um, I guess I don't know. I don't have much to say about it, but it it really just says it all. When that was my midwife, and now her clients have become mine and are having unassisted birth because that's one of the only midwives in our area and they felt wronged by her in some way or they've attended a birth that she's been to and didn't feel okay about it. Well, I can't say I'm unfamiliar with that. That seems to be the same case over here with people leaving midwives and then they come to me and then they're mad at me. Sorry, girl, like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you should yes. let people do what they want and be a little more autonomous. And then my last, my last question for you is, are there any resources that you had come across maybe after for breach um, or even cesarean care? Like, was there anything that you found resource-wise that was helpful after the fact to, um, to like educate and such? Well, all my education actually came through herbal. So I started my birthkeeper course when I was still pregnant, but didn't finish it. Honestly, still haven't finished it. But, you know, I did the in-person training, but I still haven't finished the online. Um, at least I haven't taken the final course. But without, with whatever that being said, um, that was my primary knowledge source. Like, when I was in labor, I posted in our group, and I asked you guys... Um, like who's had a breech birth and women had commented and I've gone back to that post I don't know how many times reading it over again um because I was an hour from labor when these comments had been made to me it's just amazing how the body works where I was confronting those fears right before labor because I was going to be going into labor um so that's been my main source of knowledge there's been some podcasts out um that I've listened, that I listened to, and that's how I grew a lot of self um, knowledge, a lot of self research, and digging into it, and then experience. So, people, uh, it seems like I've learned a lot better listening of other people's stories, and I don't. I'm sure that goes a, that goes the same for a lot of other women too. Right, for sure. That and then attending birth. I know that you have attended multiple unassisted birth. And in my opinion, each of those teach me something, even the very straightforward ones where I just sat in the chair the whole time. They teach like so much, especially on variations. Whenever you're not interjecting in a birth, touching, poking, prodding and stuff, 
um, things go differently than you read in your textbook. And it's interesting to me to see those different things. Yeah. Um, but that's a different topic. That's definitely for a different day. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add? We are. No, I don't have anything to add here. at all. But <laughs> thank you guys for having me on today. Absolutely. And we were so happy to have you. I would like to add for anybody that is looking into breech birth. I would recommend looking at Coalition for Breach Birth. That's a good organization, as well as Breach Without Borders. You can find both of those um, by Googling them or by looking up their Facebook groups, which are very, very active. And there's also lots of amazing breach stories in all of the unassisted birth groups on Facebook. So I highly recommend if you're looking at a breach presenting baby and your midwife is dropping you telling you that the only option is c-section then definitely do your further research and see if you feel comfortable having an unassisted breach birth you might also look into having a birth keeper that is comfortable with breach birth and supporting you through that if a midwife is not in your state that is willing to support you through your breech birth. And if you go to herbal.teachable.com, you can check out our directory of birth keepers. And we talk with all of our birth keepers about breech birth here at Herbal. So I'm sure you would be able to find one that would happily support you. Thank you again for everybody for tuning in. And thank you, Bryce, for sharing your story.